Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Today's podcast is sponsored with a Garrett Kelly Memorial Grant from the Charles E. Kubley Foundation in loving memory of Garrett and others who've struggled with depression. We are solely responsible for podcast content. Hi, Bridget. Hi, Terry. So last week we heard the powerful story of Canadian artist Jeff Beyer, who created a series of paintings to externalize his thoughts, feelings, and experience of depression. Showing his paintings was a huge step for Jeff, both therapeutically and to start long overdue conversations about mental health. Today we hear the story behind the paintings, Jeff's personal mental health journey from childhood to his current state. Here is Jeff again giving his voice to depression. I I knew I had something from a very young age. Um, I'm sure that uh, family and friends thought it was just being young or being preteen or teenager. Um, but I knew that there was something much darker. That darkness, without being named, acknowledged, or addressed, became much more powerful. Like many who self-medicate, Jeff started drinking too much, ignoring, as is so easy to do, the fact alcohol is a depressant. I, I flirted with suicide quite a few times as a teenager. Um, I eventually got into um, alcohol abuse. Uh, I do identify as an alcoholic. I've been sober for 20 years this year. But just, I mean, I was using alcohol as a tool to deal with the depression and the anxiety and the other feelings. Those other feelings included symptoms of a different related illness. When I quit, within about two years, I, you know, things should have been great, but I was experiencing recurring episodes. And, and I did go to a doctor and I was first diagnosed with depression. And they put me on an antidepressant, which did amazing for um, my depression. However, there were some behaviors that were still way out of line. And, and, and a couple of years later, someone suggested to me, a doctor suggested that I might be bipolar too. Jeff says he could accept the depression diagnosis. That made sense to him. But bipolar disorder? I mean, within four years, I had addressed alcoholism and depression, and I wasn't ready to hear that because <laughs> that would make me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I sort of shelved that or buried it. And it was brought up a few years later again, and I buried it again. But ignoring an illness, any illness, is never our best move, since everything is easier to treat and survive in its earliest stages. Over the past two years, it it became very evident as my manic phases escalated. At that point, I found out that 
taking an antidepressant can do wonders for depression, but can actually accelerate manic phases. And it's like throwing gas on a flyer. Yep. In some cases, not in everyone's. Mm -hmm. So a couple quite serious episodes happened, and I decided I, I maybe needed to investigate this. That investigation included the hard and ongoing job of self-examination, self-awareness, and self-care. Keeping track of things, uh, monitoring what was happening prior to a, you know, a high or a low, and what happened during them and what happened after. I just think that's a lot to expect of someone during it. I mean, bravo to you. You know, I don't even recognize like, oh, shoot, I'm in it again. I just lose all objectivity. I do as well. I I can empathize with you because I do as well. I can lose objectivity so fast. Mm -hmm. And that's the the cruelty of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because even though you've experienced it and you know that it'll pass and you'll get through it, it doesn't feel like it in the moment. You know, I'm not expecting myself to be cured or fixed. So little bit by little bit, things are becoming clearer and if anything, it just shows me I have a long, longer way to go, right? But at least I'm starting to see patterns, stop them, or adjust them. And, and that's, a, you know, that's a, a new beginning, right? And it does offer me some more hope. What are some of the things <clears throat> that you recognize as signs that it's coming, the early warning signs? And then what do you do to manage it, ward it off, keep it as non-destructive as possible? The depressive states, um, I can consciously feel myself drawing to darker material, whether that be any kind of media, music, um, film, social media, anything. I I can start to draw towards that. And um, the insidious part of that is the misery loves company thing. I can... I can start going down it, consciously making choices to follow down towards that darkness. Um, and I will isolate. I tend to lose appetite. I tend to sleep more. All the obvious, usual suspects. Jeff says the symptoms of his manic phases naturally present very differently and have deceived him into actually welcoming them at times. My speech will speed up. Oh start to go off on tangents, not uh, not in confusion or just very focused, but still I, I can feel myself getting faster and faster inside. Um, that's the sign that lets me know usually. Um, I start to get very tense. Everything is, everything is more intense. Um, and that one is really scary because, because that kind of high as messed up as it is, there's an energy to it that's almost addictive. Like I have gone off medications in the past just to get that high, even though I know it's not healthy for me. Before I started learning about all this, I was as naive as everybody else is before they start learning about it. And I remember thinking I had sort of gotten a short straw by just getting depression when I would, you know, I I thought mania, gosh, I'd love the energy, I'd love the creativity, I'd love all those ideas. You know, I realized there's a dark side to that and a dangerous side to that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that any anything that you can you can gain from a a 
a, a mania, uh, like a manic phase. I don't know that there's anything in the world that you can gain that is as valuable as what you have at stake that you can lose. I mean, I have done some pretty phenomenal things while in those states, but the danger of them, I should be dead many times over. I, I really do believe that. I, I don't know why I haven't had that happen, but but I've just been very fortunate. So I wouldn't advocate anybody to <laughs> to go off their meds or, or to to try to consciously try to choose that state. Though Jeff has only recently begun to share about his mental health challenges, he's already convinced of the power of shared experiences as a recovery tool. In last week's episode, we talked about a series of six depression-inspired paintings Jeff created to externalize and process some of the pain, despair, and emptiness he was experiencing. Showing them to thousands at an art walk and mindful of the reactions and conversations they prompted and allowed, made Jeff realize just how strong the stigma around mental illness really is. Yeah, I've been open about my alcoholism for years, just because I knew it could help other people. And I've (laughs) been open about my quote-unquote mild depression. When people hear this that know me, this is the first time they're ever going to hear anything about the other kind of things that I go through, right? Mm-hmm. So why why haven't I been comfortable to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because I'm worried about how it'll be perceived. And yet, there you go, the cycle, right? If we don't talk about it, the stigma continues and, you know, it's self-perpetuating. I, I do agree. I think we, we help to create and maintain the stigma, of course, by not talking. You actually use the words afraid and embarrassed, to speak out loud, you said that yes. these paintings, and I thought, embarrassed, that's, and afraid. They're both really interesting and very powerful words. Because, again, when you talk about other illnesses, are you embarrassed to have them? So why are we embarrassed? But, yeah, with mental health, yeah. for some reason, I mean, I can think of quickly for myself as a man, is it a sign of weakness? Mm-hmm. As uh, someone who works in a healthcare system, are you concerned about uh, me caring for your loved ones? Uh, uh, right? Interesting. Since Jeff is sharing about his depression, bipolar, and alcoholism, this is a good opportunity to mention that according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, roughly a third of individuals struggling with alcohol abuse also suffer from mental illness. Also, there's a term, you hear it a lot, dual diagnosis. That means a mental health disorder and substance abuse problem that occur simultaneously. Which brings us to Jeff's final night of drinking, which he describes as when his addiction finally kicked his butt. Describing that bottom, Jeff remembered a powerful metaphor. Addiction, addiction somebody described to me as, you know, it's always just sitting there in the background doing push-ups. It's just sitting there in the background getting stronger. You can let yourself go and not address it and think, oh, I'm good now, I'm fine. But it's just sitting there doing push-ups, getting stronger, waiting, waiting for that one moment where you're weak. I feel like my my depression is the same. Now, through sharing his depression-inspired paintings, prompting long-overdue discussions, and sharing here openly about his struggles and darkest times, Jeff is taking some of that power away from depression and reclaiming it for himself. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, as you said, if you're fortunate enough to have a skill set where you can um, make a change, then feel like it's obligation is the wrong word. Duty is the wrong word, but maybe it's a path or a calling. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So good for you for following yours. And you're yours. Doing push-ups in the background. Yikes. Oh, man. Yeah, that one hit me. Mm. I will not cease to be amazed at the fact that we could ask, have asked a hundred people, you know, to describe their depression. We can ask the same questions and get such different answers, even though there's a lot of similarity and overlap because it's the same illness. It really is different. And it's just, I don't know what word to use, but it would be a really uh, effusive word that it's amazing how forthright people are and how clear they are when they finally do speak about it, that it's like we think so damn much about it because it's so prevalent that when you finally can put words to it, they're really good words. I mean, I'm just always sort of slack-jawed listening to these people talk about their experience so clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And and Jeff didn't just put words to it, which right. is in and of itself amazing, but right. he put art to it. You know, he's expressing it in many ways and putting it out there in the world, you know, via the podcast and the art shows. And it's just, um, it's inspiring. It is inspiring. And those paintings, and we realize this is an audio program, which makes it a little tricky when you're talking about paintings, but you can see them on our Facebook page, Giving Voice to Depression, Jeff's website, which is Jeff Beyer, but it's B-E-I-E-R.com. And, and our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. Terry, can you tell everybody a little bit about the conversation that's happening right now on Facebook about the pictures? Oh, that's interesting. We put them up. We put two different posts. One was we put the six up and asked if any one in particular resonated with them. But a lot of the conversation was around a second post when I asked with the, the, the first painting he described, which is a hand reaching up into a sky with black balloons floating. And I asked if people thought that the hand was reaching for those balloons or releasing those balloons. And we got both, uh, but we also got some variations, including releasing some and grabbing for others, um, releasing them all in the hopes that others will see them and it will be a cry for help. It's just that's the whole point of whether it's a discussion or a painting. It's to start these kind of thought processes and discussions. It's just healing and wonderful. It is. It is. So thanks to Jeff, thanks to everybody who is uh, chiming in online, and thanks to you, Bridget. Thank you, Terry. I love you. I love you too, hon. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.